0: Hello and welcome to The Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Keep in mind that we do have other resources and information available at our website at thelatterrain.org. If you wish to hear other English audio messages, they are available for free either at our website or as podcast through iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes store under podcast as The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. It may be sometimes challenging to know where exactly to start and what exactly we need to do for the Lord, especially considering that so many people have so many different opinions and that some of them teach quite convincingly things that sound like the truth but are far from, from them. That is why as followers of Christ, we need to do just that, follow Christ. And the only way that we can know how to follow Christ is by getting into his word personally and asking for his direct guidance. And as we look into God's Word together, you will see that following the Lord and doing His will may be more straightforward and easier to understand than some people make it out to be, and that God has some definite priorities. Stay with us for the next few minutes as we look into this together. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified and exalted be your name, for you are worthy to be praised and exalted above all things. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you and I worship you, O Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, for your grace, for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the salvation and the forgiveness and the grace and the eternal life that we have through him. Blessing and honor and glory be to you and to his name. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you may please guide us, that you may help us to understand, that you may help us to have open hearts and open minds, O Lord. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that your word and your will may be clear to us, that there may be no confusion. I give you thanks and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 21. This is the word of the Lord. Now David came to Nob, to Amalek, the priest, and Amalek was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Amalek the priest, The king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to them, Truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in fact common even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day so the priest gave him holy bread for there was no bread there but the showbread which had been taken from before the lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away now a certain man of the servants of saul was there that day detained before the lord and his name was doeg an edomite the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to saul and david said to amalek Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, There is none like it, give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul, and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and left his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? As a brief background, David was having big problems with King Saul and he was having them unjustly. Saul was persecuting David, although he had done nothing wrong. Saul was completely out of control. Because God had allowed for a distressing spirit to torment him. And he was also envious of David. And the reason for why God had sent a distressing spirit to Saul was because Saul had exhausted God's mercy. His disobedience was too great. There was always something wrong with Saul. And so God wanted to remove Saul from power and have David be king. And that it was just a matter of time before that would happen. This occurrence reinforces that doing the right thing before God does not necessarily mean that things will turn out great here and now. But the major difference is that when we do what is right before the eyes of the Lord here and now, we have God's support and God's future rewards to look forward to. That's the major difference. We always need to keep in mind that those of us that have given our lives over to Christ, that we are just passing by and that we should do things to please the audience of one, the Lord. And for an endless amount of reasons that should be quite obvious. And now, if we fast forward into Jesus' time, Jesus makes mention of the story of where David and his men ate the showbread, and Jesus recalls this event with a certain purpose. We can read of it in Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to 28, where it says, Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, Why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus recalls this event with the purpose to justify what the disciples were doing for what they were being accused of by the Pharisees. Now, if you know anything about biblical history, the Jewish religious leaders were never really interested in upholding the law of Moses or the things of God when it had to do with Jesus, but rather they used them as excuses to try to find ways and how to accuse and kill Jesus and make it seem like they were defending God's law that was the level of their hypocrisy john chapter 8 verse 1 to 6 shows us more of the evil intentions these religious leaders had with jesus where it says this but jesus went to the mount of olives now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them then the scribes and pharisees brought to him a woman caught under adultery and when they had set her in the midst they said to him teacher this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. The religious leaders always had issues with Jesus, and so they were always ill-intentioned. But nonetheless, and through this, we can understand through these certain circumstances that there are priorities even within the commandments of God. In other words, we see that God is more interested in certain things than, rather than other things. There is a priority even between the things of God. And if we are wise, we should obviously concentrate on doing those things that are more important to Him, and especially because there is no way that we can do it all. Even with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because of our sinful nature, we will never be perfect. But we need to strive to follow Christ as closely as possible. Not in a religious, filling out a checklist kind of way, but rather to please the Lord out of love, which are two different things. So now, what are those things that have more priority for God than others? The first thing we should look at is that even though all sin is evil in the sight of God, Not everything carries the same value once you are in Christ. Now, let me be very clear here. And so there's no confusion. When coming to Christ for the first time, all sin is bad, no matter how small. And there needs to be full and complete repentance before God. And that never changes, even after you have come to Christ. We always need to allow the Holy Spirit to continue changing our lives, to continue being transformed into the likeness of Christ. But as that process takes place, we'll obviously not be perfect, at least not yet. We all have quite a way to go. When we were born again in Christ, it is only the beginning. We need to run and finish the race, carry our cross daily, walk the narrow path, abide in Jesus, and every other way that the Bible uses to explain to us that this is all a process through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And so within that, there are priorities for the things God wants for us to concentrate on more than others, or that it maybe even infers a sequence, if you will. For instance, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 17 tells us this, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin and there is sin not leading to death. So by this, we understand that there are things that are more important to God than others that there is a scale of priority. And as such, this then gives us a clear understanding on what are the things we need to let His Word and Holy Spirit work in us first, because there's no way we can tackle every single thing that is wrong in our lives at the same time. There is just too much, whether we realize it or not. The first one that is a real big problem as far as sin, and it is mentioned as unpardonable, is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. In order to understand this, we need to look at the passage in context. This is mentioned in Matthew chapter 12, where it says this. Then one was brought to him who was demon possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Belzebub the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Belzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God is come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore, I say to you... Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. This is something we need to be very careful with. The first and main function of the Holy Spirit on earth is to point the direction to Jesus as being the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. This was a sin that the Pharisees committed against Jesus Christ in the passage we read before the last one. They said that he was casting out demons by Belzebub. The blasphemy was calling the work of the Holy Spirit something abominable, but also rejecting the Holy Spirit's work in showing that Jesus was the Son of God and the Lord. We always need to remember that the Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus Christ as Lord. And if the Lordship of Jesus Christ is denied, then the spirit work is denied. That's the problem that happens when a person does not want to believe in Jesus as Lord. This denial effectively puts them by default into two problems that don't allow them to be saved. The first is that they are denying the work of the Holy Spirit. And so denying the work of the Holy Spirit is a big problem, like we just discussed. The second is that the only way that a person is saved is by acknowledging Jesus as Lord. It's a condition for salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 to 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so in order to be saved, a person needs to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it inside of their hearts. There needs to be complete conviction in this acceptance of Jesus as the Lord of their lives. Therefore, if a person refuses to believe Jesus as Lord, there can be no salvation. Now, if a person professed at one point to believe in Jesus as the Lord of their lives, but then renounces Christ and falls away from their faith in him as Lord, that is a huge problem. There is a huge difference between a person that ignores a truth and just has difficulty accepting it, an unbeliever, for instance, and someone that called themselves a follower of Jesus Christ and falls away from their faith, denouncing the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their lives. God can forgive the ignorance of an unbeliever. And the unbeliever can still have the opportunity for salvation. But there is nothing he can do for a person that willingly wants to leave their faith in Christ. God will not force anyone to stay with him. Because remember, everything with the Lord is a love-based decision. Love is never forced. He will not force anyone to stay with him. That is completely up to us. So this question of whether a person loses their salvation or not is clearly based on a person wanting to abide in Christ or not. God does not let anyone go if they choose to be with him. But if they decide to abandon the faith, God is not going to force them to stay. It's as simple as that. And how can there be salvation if a person willingly refuses to continue accepting the basis of salvation itself, which is founded upon the Lordship of Christ? See how that works? This is what the Apostle John referred to in what we read before regarding that, that there is such a sin that cannot be prayed for. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be careful with the practice of sin. Which means when a person continues willfully living a lifestyle of sin. There's a difference between making mistakes, which we all do and all of the time because we are very imperfect people. And willful commitment of certain things that are clearly identified in the Bible as the sin that should not be in our lives. There are a couple of lists in the New Testament that explain to us those things that we as Christians should not practice. If we truly want to enter the kingdom of God, the first one is Galatians chapter five, verse 19 to 21, which says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication and cleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like which i tell you beforehand just as i also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god and 1 corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 to 11 explains this to us as well do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, we all started as something else before coming to Christ. We all used to wallow in our sins in one way or another. But once we come to Christ and the condition for being born again in Christ is repenting and converting from all of our sins, then we should effectively turn away from our sinful ways. Sin cannot be a practice in the life of a believer. There needs to be a continual change and transformation. But if a person decides to live a lifestyle of sin, then they need to should ask themselves, What am I then repenting and converting from? And as followers of Jesus Christ, we were made free from the bondage of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. And we have the power through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, and through God's word to conquer any and all practice of sin in our lives. And so if a person practices sin, it's because they simply want to, and not because they cannot break away from it. That is why we're told the following Romans chapter 6, where it says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members and instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And so, are we going to continue sinning in different ways and committing mistakes or having moments of weakness? Absolutely. But we cannot practice sin. It cannot become our lifestyle. We need to present our bodies for God's service, especially considering that we have made Jesus the Lord of our lives. As Lord, He is the one that tells us what to do and not the sin that still dwells within our flesh. If we were made free by the Lord, then we should live in that freedom and not under the power of sin. And regarding things we need to be careful with, we need to be careful of not only practicing sin, but also supporting and approving those that practice sin. Even though you may not be doing the sin, if you support it and you approve of it, then that makes you just as guilty before the Lord. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to 32 explains it quite clearly where it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, We need to be very careful of supporting sinful practices and lifestyles. That's why as followers of Jesus Christ and based on everything we have read so far, we cannot, for instance, support fornication, which consists of sex outside of marriage. We cannot support homosexuality or anything related to that. People are free to do and be whatever they want to do and be. And every single person will give an account to God for their actions in the end, whether they want to believe it or not. But as followers of Christ, we cannot support and or approve of those things that people do wrong before the Lord. And well, there are other things we cannot support and or approve if we apply biblical teaching to them. And so, what should we be focusing on then? What things are a true priority for us to practice according to the Lord? Or we can start by looking at Hosea chapter 6, where it says this, For I, says the Lord, desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But like men, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt treacherously with me. Gilead is a city of evildoers and defiled with blood. As bands of robbers lie in wait for a man, so the company of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Surely they commit lewdness. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is the harlotry of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Also, O Judah, a harvest is appointed for you when I return the captives of my people. So quite simply, God wants for us to practice mercy with our neighbor, all of our neighbors, including our enemies, as hard as that is. And I know that can be hard because it's just hard. And He wants for us to learn about Him and to grow in our knowledge of Him. And that can only happen by really getting into His Word. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22-25 to 25 also gives us even more insight. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's pretty easy to understand, right? No one can say that there's anything wrong with the fruit of the Spirit. There is no sin in the fruit of the Spirit. And of course, Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31 says this. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second, like it, is this You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. It's not very hard to understand what God really wants us to do where we should focus our energies, our talents, our resources, our abilities, everything that we are, so much that even a child can understand these. There is no great science behind it. If we concentrate more on the things that God actually wants for us to do, rather than thinking about what we can or cannot get away with, our lives would be that much simpler. But I have to tell you that if you are just thinking about more, about what you can or cannot get away with, you already got a problem. And of course, if you're just thinking about getting your way or doing your will, that's a big problem within itself. If we just concentrate on loving the Lord and doing what He wants us to do, everything else will fall into place through the guidance of God's Word and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Through Christ, we have everything we need to accomplish God's will for us here on earth and into eternity, and we will be able to please Him. We will not be perfect while here on earth. There will always be many things in our lives that are wrong before the Lord and that we need to allow for the Holy Spirit to work on. We just need to submit those things before the Lord and have the disposition to change. But starting with those things that are truly important to God. And in order to understand what is truly important to the Lord, we need to seek Him daily, pray to Him, and ask Him to guide us and to help us understand clearly those things that really need to change. And if we understand His Word, He will always guide us through the general guidelines that consist of loving Him above all things and loving our neighbor. Everything with the Lord, even the fruit of the Spirit, will always be focused through those two very important and simple concepts. When we love the Lord and give Him the preeminence, the priority over everything else, especially over the weaknesses of our flesh, everything that is right and good before Him will start becoming natural for us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot love and serve and please the Lord on our own. We need Jesus in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to indwell us and to be upon us. We need the guidance of His Word, and that's the beauty of it all. When we are truly in the Lord, He makes us free from all those things that attempt to bind us and cause death. From the power of sin. That is the ultimate freedom we gain through Jesus Christ. The power to be able to be free to follow him. And to do those things that truly please him. This is the way that we will be transformed. And changed daily into the form and likeness of Christ. The author and finisher of our faith. And the one that will ultimately raise us up from the dead. And into eternal life. That is why it is so necessary not just to believe in him. But also to follow him as the true and effective Lord of our lives. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you that you have given us, first of all, the opportunity for salvation through Jesus Christ and that we could have eternal life through him. I give you thanks, O Lord, because not only do you give us salvation, You have given us your word, your Holy Spirit, your guidance. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to take that to heart. To look for your will. To try to understand it as best as possible. And to look to fulfill it. And to understand that within all of that, there are things that are truly important to you that we just need to really focus on. And that by focusing on what really matters, on what's really important to you, and everything else starts falling into place. Heavenly Father, help us to stay focused on you. Help us to just follow you, to follow after you, and to do those things that you did to be like you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your goodness and for your mercy, because you have truly made us free from sin and free to be able to live a life, Lord God, that brings honor and glory to you and brings blessing to us and to everyone around us. Help us, Lord, to understand that, Lord God, your ways are good, and we just need to do the best we can to follow them. I give you thanks and I praise you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please feel free to join us again next time as we continue looking into God's Word together. If you would like to write to us, you can do so through our website. Our web address is the latter Rain. O R G. The Letter Rain Ministries is a self supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.